are Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Tuesday, April 13th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that... It's not sure exactly what's going on with Flyers fandom right now, or at least Flyers Twitter, but you have a lot of people happy and a lot of people wanting to storm the castle with pitchforks. Trade deadline will do that to you, I guess. To keep track of all the Flyers moves on trade deadline and all that good stuff, follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can also send us mailbag questions, and if you don't have Twitter... That's fine. You can email us at lockedonflyers at gmail.com. We are your hosts. I'm Rachel. And I'm Danielle. And today we are going to talk about the aforementioned trade deadline that was yesterday. And then uh, almost, I don't, I don't know if it was uh, kismet or what, but we had planned a crossover episode with Amy Rothenberger from Locked On Caps to preview tonight's game versus the Washington Capitals. And we had a trade between our teams, so we'll talk about it then. Locked On Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Sports Network. All right, so real quickly, you know, normally Tuesdays we'd be talking about the Phantoms, except they have not played because of COVID. Uh, Supposedly, at least one player had tested positive. Uh, We heard from the Phantoms yesterday that uh, tomorrow's game is also postponed. So we'll see what happens with them moving forward. Uh, from Bill Meltzer, though, we did hear that those postponements was what motivated the Flyers to call up Wade Allison. And according to Chuck Fletcher, yes, he will play on the Flyers at some point before the end of this season. All right. So trade deadline. What did the Flyers do? Well, they did kind of what we expected them to do, right? In that they took assets who are on expiring contracts and tried to get whatever they could for them and did a half decent job, I would say. I mean, very low returns, but I don't think anybody was expecting big returns for anybody except for Scott Lawton, who they decided to keep and signed to a five year, $3 million cap hit contract. Uh, what did you think about that deal? I was actually kind of surprised by the deal, especially um, Fletcher's comments about the deal and about Scott. I just figured he'd price himself out of Philadelphia. Um, So it was just interesting to see uh, them sign a a five-year deal. I think the the term is a little, um, or the, you know, the, the contract is a little long, but yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I like Scott Lawton, so I'm... You know, I wouldn't have gave him that deal, but then again, I'm not the GM. 
Yeah, I'm kind of with you there that I don't mind the cap hit so much. I I do mind the term. I think it's kind of high risk to go that long. But then again, I don't think a $3 million cap hit player like Scott Lawton would be difficult to trade in like year three, four or five of the deal if they feel like they need to. So, you know, I can live with this contract. Um, According to Charlie O'Connor, who asked at the presser, uh, Chuck said that they always wanted to sign Scott Lawton, which is, I guess, what the team would say, but that Lawton wanted to stay a flyer and the team values him highly. They appreciate his energy, his versatility, and that they will definitely be protecting him in the expansion draft. That throws a little bit of a wrench in the expansion draft, deciding what forwards they're going to protect and defense they're going to protect. I didn't expect Lawton to be uh, protected, but I guess it makes absolute sense after you sign him to this deal. Exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that moving forward. Uh, next, they traded Eric Gustafson to Montreal for a seventh round pick in 22. Flyers retained 50% of the salary. Uh, salary retention doesn't really matter anything because, again, all on expiring contracts. So it's just for this year and they weren't going to add any players anyway. So non-issue for me. But, you know, I think that for an eighth, like for a guy who's eighth in the depth on defense on the Philadelphia Flyers defense core just to get anything more than a bag of pucks seems like a win to me yeah absolutely and I really liked what Fletcher said is that you know he traded them so that he can get ice time try to rejuvenate his career which um he he just wasn't going to do with the Flyers so you know good for him I wish him luck yeah same and then of course I think you know, the one that at least hurt me the most emotionally was Michael Roffel to the Washington Capitals for a fifth to uh, 25% of the salary is retained. And we'll definitely get into this one more with Amy when we talk to her and let her know uh, what they're getting in our sweet Michael Roffel. Uh, after the trade deadline expired, uh, Chuck Fletcher had that press conference that we've mentioned a few things from so far, but... A few other points that came out of it was that he said that in the last couple of weeks, you know, how the team has performed led him to decide it wasn't worth being aggressive now to buy. And it was worth it to trade a few guys, if possible, to pick up a few more trades or or to pick up a few more picks to use in offseason trades where they will be more aggressive Uh, He did also mention that Tanner Lezinski is on the active roster for the duration of the season and that others from the Phantoms will likely get called up to get a chance to see them at the NHL level. And then, you know, he did thank Michael Roffel for his time with the Flyers. Uh, One thing that was interesting that came out of it is that he's definitely still hurt and that he won't even be starting for a little while with the Capitals because of that injury. So we won't see him in tonight's game. And then kind of moving forward for the team that Fletcher thinks that they just don't have the right combination of players in terms of roles overlapping and a lot of holes to fill, especially on defense the goal in the offseason is to make the team better. That's that's a paraphrase, but that's basically what he said, which was kind of vague. Yeah, I 
that is pretty vague. And I kind of was just like, uh, okay. Like, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> Isn't every day you try to make the team better? Yeah. He's, you know, he said that he, the team will be in a very different place going into next season. And I'm just like, yeah, I hope so, buddy. Uh, one thing he also mentioned when asked directly, he answered very emphatically and very quickly that he will not consider changes to the coaching staff. And that was the biggest letdown of yesterday for me. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm of two minds on this. Part of me was really upset by it and was disappointed. And part of me is like, well, what is he going to say when the coaches still have to finish out the season? So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on there. But if he really is that adamant about keeping the entire coaching staff around, that's kind of a problem. Yeah. I mean, like, and I get it. He was specifically asked about the coaches. So what is he going to say? He doesn't have to say like, it seemed like that was very final. And he was like, you know, there will not be any changes. And I hope that he's the type of guy that says one thing and does another because I just don't understand how you can go into a third year with the power play like it is and the coaching staff and Michelle Terry and still on, still on the coaching staff. So that's my biggest thing. I mean, I don't know. It's just giving me a lot of like Hextall, Hackstall vibe, but I mean, it's not the main <laughs> coach, but I'm just, you know, a little triggered. But I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I totally get it. It's uh yeah, it's a very dicey situation, but I don't know, we'll see what happens in the off season, I guess. Right? As we're saying with everything these days. Well, I'm not sure if I could put together an NHL team the way a GM does and you know, I, I'm just not a professional at that, but I'm also not a professional at fixing my car, but that does not matter to rockauto.com. They know that it doesn't matter if you're a professional mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer like I am. They have an amazing selection of auto and body parts for everybody, and their prices are reliably low. They don't even require a membership or an account login. Yeah, and you can trust rockauto.com. I don't know if you can trust GMs. <laughs> rockauto.com is a family business who's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. When you go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts, they have hundreds of manufacturers to choose from. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast in the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right. So like we previewed at the top of the show, we are here with Amy Rothenberger, who is the host of Locked On Caps. Welcome, Amy. 
Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. So we, we're going to have you on to talk about the game tonight, but so much <laughs> happened yesterday. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Now, did you expect the Capitals to make any moves at trade deadline? I expected something um, as the as the trade deadline neared. I mean, and the day before the deadline, we saw Jonas Siegenthaler leave us, which made me very sad because I really thought that, you know, he was a very good defenseman who was, you know, he played most of last shortened season and proved himself to be very good on the PK and sort of a... Uh, a big stay at home defensive presence. And I was like, I can't wait to see what he does once he gets more playing time. And then the cats picked up Chara and he became like the seventh or eighth defenseman every night. I think he only played like seven games this season, uh, which disappointed me in the first place. And then they got rid of him and that disappointed me even more. And I thought, all right, well, that's clearly to make space for whatever it is they're going to do next. So I expected something, and like I said on my podcast, I expected one of three things. One, Brian McClellan always seems to pick up a defenseman at the deadline, so that could have been something. So then the other thing that's floating around, of course, with Henrik Lundqvist being where Henrik Lundqvist is health-wise right now is sort of another veteran goalie because, and my theory along with a lot of other people's was, if heaven forbid... Vitek Vanacek or Ilya Samsonov gets hurt in the playoffs. Is Craig Anderson going to be the guy to back us up through a deep run? I'm not so sure. So that was a possibility. And then the third possibility was maybe a center. Because we've seen last year's playoffs and for part of this season when Lars Eller was out injured, that our center depth isn't all that great, especially when... And we're as cap strapped as we are. We had to, we couldn't even call anybody up from Hershey. We had to have Oshi playing center on certain nights and playing with 11 forwards and 7D and, you know, trying to fill in the gaps that way. So having some center depth might be a good idea. So those are my three thoughts going in to answer your question. Did I think we were going to end up the way we ended up? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But uh, I hear, or I've read, I should say, uh, this afternoon that one Michael Roffle is not only a winger, but can also play center. So perhaps that might be Brian McClellan's idea of some added center depth if needed. I also hear that he's currently hurt, Sir Ruffle is, and may be ready to play by the end of the regular season. So I'm I'm counting on you, kind ladies, to fill me in. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you brought up Michael Ruffle because I was going to ask you about your feelings on the, the Michael Ruffle trade. Uh, yes, he can play center or wing. And, uh, you know, Rachel and I have... We we're fans of Michael Raffle. Uh, That's I know good Rachel, to hear. Yeah, yeah, he's he's that depth player that I feel like every team needs. He's a veteran player who can jump up in the lineup. 
Um, and, and he doesn't look out of place. Now, would I want him on the top line for the rest of the season? No, but in a pinch, when, if there's an injury, absolutely. And he doesn't look out of place. And so, you know, as someone who doesn't know a lot about Michael Roffel, I'd love to get um, your opinion on him. I, to be honest, everything on trade deadline day was such a blur. <laughs> um, you know, those are those are kind of the things I know about him. I watched a few Flyers games that weren't against the Capitals uh, this season. Oh, I'm so and, sorry. And well, I know, but <laughs> I have family who are Flyers fans, and and sometimes I watch just so that I can rag on them. You know, no offense to you two, but I have to have some ammo in in at the ready for when they come and chirp me about the caps. So well, the flyers definitely gave you some. This <laughs> Don't worry about that. I know one of the big beefs that a lot, I saw a lot of caps fans on Twitter talking about is that this team is so old and by hockey standards, this team is kind of old. I think we might be one of the oldest average age teams in the NHL right now. Um, I think most of our top six are either right around or over 30. Um, and bringing in Michael Ruffle, like you said, he's a veteran, but that makes him, I think he's 31 or 32. Um, so yeah, bringing, he's 32. bringing in another old guy, and I'm using my bunny ear air quotes when I say that, seemed to rub people a little bit the wrong way. I think... For what Brian McClellan's looking for, and from what you've described to me, he's he's he fits that role. I wish I could kind of chat more with you with what I know of Raffle, but I don't know much. Again, this this trade deadline has been a whirlwind, and frankly, the the late news of Anthony Manta kind of just scrambled my brain way too much. <laughs> So let's talk about that. What was your initial reaction and sort of how you feeling now about this Anthony Mantha deal? Well, I was worried that Jacob Verona was going to get traded away. I was worried when they started benching him. And I knew part of the reason they started benching him was he wasn't performing as well as he used to. Um, you know, you don't you don't want to perform? Okay, we won't let you. And that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe it makes a whole lot of sense to a whole lot of hockey men who get paid a whole lot of money to do something that I probably couldn't do. But that's my humble opinion. As far as bringing in Mantha, what little homework I've done, and I've got more to do tonight before I record my podcast, is um, he's young, or at least on the younger side, which is good. Because, again, a lot of the fans that I've interacted with are like, you're throwing away the future for a bunch of old people. Well, this guy's 26. And he seems to be doing okay on a not very good team. Which, one of the tweets I saw today just made me chuckle. It said something like, well, Mantha's got at least one more goal than Taylor Hall does this season. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's very good. But if you're on a bad team, that may make a difference. My guess is he probably has a lot of upside. He's another left winger. I don't know if he can play center or not. But I think initially he'll probably slot very well onto the third line and maybe eventually be put in the top six. But I think to start, he'll probably slot pretty well into our third line. 
And he's supposed to play tomorrow night against Flyers. That I have heard. All of us will see how things go in the game on Tuesday. Unfortunately, we will. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, we will. So, you know, looking at the Caps, just, I mean, going back before the trades, Mm-hmm. Um, they're currently in a playoff spot, but it seems like fans don't seem to fully be confident in the team in terms in terms of blowing leads, consistency in a lot of one goal games. What's your take on that? My take is I kind of agree with that, and I don't know if you guys were watching the trade deadline show, which I got looped into late in the day. Um, but I talked about this as well, and I was accused of talking about talking about them like they were. Uh, a team that was tanking for the draft lottery. I don't know if I would say it was that bad. But as a longtime Capitals fan, I think I could speak for a lot of us when I say we've been conditioned to expect, I don't want to say travesty, but expect... Uh, expect less from the team than what their statistics say we should. Right. Because you look at, you know, you go look at the standings and you go, wow, the caps have been at the top of the East division for like ever. And sometimes we've been tied for that spot, but we've been there a while. And for a little while earlier in the season, we were at the top of the league with teams like Colorado and Tampa Bay right at our heels. I would venture a guess to say that the Capitals are not the Colorado Avalanche and they are not the Tampa Bay Lightning. Those are three very different teams who may have had the same record at one point in time, but play very differently and have very different identities. So the problems that you listed are the ones that have kind of been plaguing the team for the season. They've played very good second periods. They're not so great at getting off to a good start, and they're certainly not great at keeping a lead. And you mentioned one goal games. That's been a big deal. The Caps have won all of their one goal games this season, I think, except one, and that was very recently. Um, I think it was the one nothing loss to the Islanders that we lost, but everything else has has been a win. But those one-goal games, a bunch of those one-goal games are games in which, and it's not mentioned because the stat is, oh, they win all these one-goal games. Yeah, they win. But what's left out of that is those one-goal games used to be two or three-goal leads by the Capitals that disappeared into one-goal games, which it's great that they're winning them. That's wonderful. But... If you can't keep a lead, especially, I mean, you guys know, if you can't keep a lead, especially against these teams in the East, like Boston and the Islanders, then you're done for. The NHL season is winding down, but there's still time to make bets each night before they drop the puck. The perfect place to go for that is our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They have NHL games, NBA games, baseball, golf, so many sports that are in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. 
You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. In fact, they even have updated Stanley Cup division and award odds available right now. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS League. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So speaking of Caps playoff runs, like how do you feel about the team in terms of, you know, where it's sitting in their story arc? Like how close are we to the end of this era and they're going to have to do a full rebuild? You know, what I think that depends on is Ovi's contract, which is up at the end of the season. And how long, I don't think it's a case of whether or not he's going to renew with the Caps. I think he is. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he will negotiate a contract that ends at the same time Backstrom's current contract does, which is in four years. This is my super hot take prognostication. And I think, frankly, based on a lot of the trade deadline moves the Caps just made, I think the Caps thought, or at least management's thought, is we're going to try to get as many cups as we can with this core around Ovi, and when Ovi's done, we blow it all up and start over. So jumping into, or jumping back into the season, um, on the on the Capitals, who surprised you the most? Does it have to be a good surprise, or can it be a bad <laughs> surprise? Which I mean, <laughs> whichever you feel like playing. Um, a couple of surprises. I'm surprised that Kuzi's not as good as I think he can be. I th- I think Kuznetsov is a really, you know, some would say he's a streaky player. But I really think, you know, as much as I like him off the ice, I think on the ice, he very much wants to be in control of his own destiny. And he wants to play well when he wants to play well and not necessarily when he needs to play well. And that's become a little evident because he's he's been noticeably absent from the score sheet in more games than not this season. Are, are there any other players that you know maybe aren't Alex Ovechkin that <laughs> you know we should we should be keeping an eye on that maybe have been putting together good runs recently? Yes, two of them that I can think of: um, Connor Sherry and Daniel Sprong have both proven to be really good pickups by Brian McClellan in the offseason. Um, Connor Sherry has been, both of them ha- actually have been on a little bit of a scoring run lately and um, are on the, I think they were both on the second line together for most of the game against the Bruins. Um, and they... I know Sherry got two goals uh, of the eight uh, that night, and he's—they're both like 
Sprong is sneaky fast and has a really, really great shot. And Sherry is, you know, people shocked his performance with the pens up to, well, he's with Sid. Sid makes everybody better. Well, Sid's not on the Capitals the last time I checked. And he's looking just as good, if not better, than he did with the Penguins. So I think those are those are two names that people don't think of when they think of the Washington Capitals, but have been showing up on the score sheet more often than not lately. We're going to have to keep our eye out on them, uh, especially tonight. But, um, you know, definitely want to ask you, now that the season's almost over, how have you felt about the intense schedule uh, and all of these divisional matchups? And would you want to take anything from the season into next year? I like the fact that there's a lot of hockey in a short amount of time. I like the fact that every other night I can watch a hockey game. Do I like the fact that it's against the same seven teams all the time? Not so much. I mean, I, you know, I think had this been a regular season, I probably would have had at least a little bit of a better idea of what we were getting out of Anthony Manta and the trade, right? Because I would have seen at least one game against the Red Wings at this point, maybe two. And um, and that's not necessarily ca- the case this year. And usually during, you know, in, in the before times, during the regular season, you kind of get a a look at teams around the league at least once or twice, right, during the regular season. And, um, you know, it gives you an opportunity to kind of prognosticate the playoffs a little bit better. But with the teams just restricted to divisional play and I understand why they're doing it it kind of it keeps my mindset in my own division right unless there's uh you know a game like you know a blowout game that you hear about nationally or you hear about during intermission when you're watching you know your home team or something like that it's not necessarily something you're going to pay attention to because there's enough to pay attention to with a game every other night so the one thing that I might want to, I don't necessarily say keep, but revisit is the divisional alignments. Like I wouldn't mind keeping the divisions close to the way they are, but open up the league to, you know, the same type of play we had before COVID where even 82 game season, you play a lot of your games divisionally, but you make sure you play everybody else at least twice. All right, Danielle, that was kind of heartbreaking, but also good to kind of get things out with Amy. And we'll see how the Flyers do against the Caps. That we will. I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I'm hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Well, we're going to end on our Flyers fun thing as per usual. And I'm in my Michael Roffle feelings because, you know, eight years over 500 games, there's a lot of history there. And kind of two of my favorite Michael Roffle moments are our fun thing today. The first of which is when he scored the shootout winner in a game at Edmonton that I actually attended. Ilya Brzgralov was in net. And so it was just a delightful ending to that game. And since I traveled all the way to Edmonton to see it, it was nice to see the Flyers win and Michael Roffel get the winner. And then there was also on uh, Twitter today, 
uh, at Sweetest Mint, who's one of my favorite fan cam makers out there, posted a video from an interview that Michael Raffle did uh, alongside Claude Giroux that I believe was in the uh, preseason before they traveled to Europe for that series a couple of years ago. And man, what a guy. (laughs) When asked about like the other young kids on the team, he said that, you know, they were not the brightest candles on the Christmas tree. (laughs) And just the the honesty, but also how funny it was, just warmed my heart. I mean, that's hilarious. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Not wrong at all. They're just such goofs. And good to know that Michael Raffle was around to be dad for them. Well, that wraps it up for today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow. We will recap tonight's game versus the Washington Capitals, and we'll have our mailbag. As a reminder, we want to hear from you for that mailbag. Send us in your questions about trade deadline or the team or anything uh, via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers, or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Danielle. You can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. Thanks for listening and have a great day.